Well, some of you are new today, and what I'm about to tell you is news to you, but uh, some of you have been hearing about uh, Pastor Charlie and planting a church with Pastor Charlie, and we're going to be praying over him and Mapo this morning, so I'm going to ask them if they could, if they could come up. But part of uh, what we're doing today is, is allowing you uh, to pray over them as they start this new adventure. And some of you have been here for a while and have been growing in the relationship uh, growing in a relationship with Pastor Charlie and, and Mapu. Oh, thank you so much, Shamaya. Thank you, Kylie. Thank you. Thanks, Marilyn. And so, uh, as we've been planning this uh, season, we've just been watching what God has been doing through Pastor Charlie and Mapu. And they have been, and still is, a treasure to this church. And although at times it may seem like uh, sadness because we're planting them out and we may not see them here on Sunday mornings. It's actually a joy to the Lord because we're reaching out to more people. And we, we always want to give our very best. And although difficult to release, God deserves our very best. And so we're going to be praying over them today. And then uh, next week, uh, they're going to be meeting with their core team and, and really strategizing in, in where God is going to actually plant the church. We're still praying on that. And uh, we're just so excited so if, you're, if you know Pastor Charlie and uh, you just want to uh, thank him for being here all these years, then you can see them afterwards, he and Mapu. And I just want to say for you, Pastor Charlie and Mapu, that your, uh, not just your friendship, but your service to God in this season that you've been here has been outstanding, none better. And to see a servant's heart is to see the both of you. And the legacy that you are going to continue to bring to the kingdom of God is going to be amazing. I see great things ahead, and I know that God is going to do greater things than what you have seen. And so we just want to say thank you. We're going to pray over them, and um, if you want to, and if you're, if you're okay with it, the Bible says to just stretch a hand and to lay hands and to pray over these that will be commissioned out. And so, Lord, we just thank you this morning. We pray over Mapu and over Pastor Charlie. We pray that your presence would be with them. We also thank you for their years of service to you. We thank you that the both of them together uh, have been serving you so well here. And at the same time, Lord, you've been preparing them all along for such a time as this. And so as the mother church, we call it, we send them out in the name of Jesus that they're not going to just plant a church and, and be at another location. We are actually sending out a pastor that they're going to shepherd people because there are a lot of people who have yet to come to know you as Lord and Savior. So we want to reach them. And so we do that by sending out our very best. So thank you, Lord. We pray your blessing over them. We commission them to do the greater works ahead. The team that will be going out with them, Lord, I thank you for. I thank you for the blessing of even the years they've been here and the heart they have to serve you. So with all of them put together, we're still the body of Christ. We just get to extend the hand of God into our city and our community. We pray this in Jesus' name, and we all said amen. Can we just thank Pastor Charlie and Mapu this morning? Love you. Thank you. Love you too. Thank you, Pastor Charlie. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So when you see them, please love on them. And uh, I told Pastor Charlie, I said, it almost seems, you know, there's some sadness. But at the same time, again, the joy of the Lord is going to be our strength. And we're going to see God do amazing things. So we'll keep you updated on what's going to be taking place uh, with Pastor Charlie and and the church that will be growing uh, in that season. Well, we are in a series. And uh, we are talking about how we can have life in the desert. What do you do when life seems like a desert? Or when you go through a season that it's not, it's not the best season, it's not the, 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 the joyful time, and, and even though we're in what we know as the most wonderful time of the year, some days are not just, it's not as wonderful as you would want it to be. Well, God has given us more than just a season or a holiday, He's given us His Son. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at 
how we can find greatness in the desert because God has greatness in every single person. He designed you and I for greatness. The problem is the world sees greatness as one thing and God sees greatness as another thing. So you can take out your notes and and we're going to jump in in just a bit. But I wanted you to watch this little clip that we got from a movie called Carter and if uh, Coach Carter. And if you saw this movie, you will realize that this one basketball team uh, didn't have too much to show as far as a winning record. But here comes this coach and he turns the team around. Well, he builds them up, not just as a basketball team, but he builds them up for life. And they enter the championship game, but they don't end up winning the game. And it would seem like such a great story if they won the game. But the coach was giving them a bigger picture that it wasn't about winning basketball. It was about winning in life. And although they didn't win this last game, and they felt the pain of defeat, they were also able to learn about what greatness is. Yeah, even though defeated, they understood the greatness that was being built in them. And really what the coach did is he brought out their potential. It was always in them. They just needed someone to bring it out of them. And that's the very same thing God does with us. He already put potential in us. He just needs to bring it out. It's already in there. You're made for greatness. He built you for that. He created you for greatness. Now, again, in the world, greatness looks like something else. But God says, if you follow me, I will show you what greatness is. Well, can I find greatness even in the desert? Yes, you can. And you're going to find out that there is greatness in the desert, even in a physical way. That when we look at the story of Jesus and him coming to this earth, he was given to us in the desert. But before Jesus was given to us, there was a man by the name of John the Baptist. And he was the one that prepared the way for Jesus Christ. See, in the desert, the desert is a a barren area of land where little rain occurs. And consequently, what happens is the living conditions are hostile. Plant life is scarce and animal life is hard to come by. Our life can be like a desert. Our life can be hostile. We we can have uh, not too much going for it. it. It can look like that. But when Jesus was born over 2,000 years ago in the desert, that changed history. And it changed what we would look at life as, as just desert when we hit those moments. That he's able to show us that even in the desert, greatness can come out of that. When life seems like a desert, there is still hope through Jesus Christ. And it may may sound simple, but... But what actually happens is the distractions of the world take us away from the very one who is able to bring greatness out of us. There is greatness even in the desert. Some of you went through a desert time or maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you're in one right now. Maybe you're going to head into one. But the good news is that Jesus will be with you even through those desert times because before God does something great through you, He normally will do something great in you. And when that takes place, then everything else thereafter is great because whatever is in the heart is going to come out. And so when you go through a desert time, God's going to bring some great things out of that. Yeah, but it's so painful. It's so frustrating. It's irritating. I don't see anything happening. Well, God is doing something even when you don't see it happening. His promises are sure The Bible says, like silver refined in a furnace, purified seven times over. In other words, to purify silver or gold, there's a process that it goes through so that it can become pure. Now, it was always pure in its environment. It, It always had its pureness. But what needs to take place is taking out all the impurities. So you have greatness in you. And what God is going to do is he's just going to remove everything that is not of you. Everything that is not what he wants for you. And what is revealed is what was always there. And that's greatness. As a parent, a father, a mother. Or maybe you own a business. Or or maybe you, you like working with people. And God says, I have great things in store for you. Yeah, but I only do this. It's Again, it's not the way the world sees greatness. God sees it in a completely different way. And this man, John the Baptist, who lived in the desert, is going to show us what greatness really looks like. In fact, Jesus said 
there is no greater one than John the Baptist. And I thought, there's no greater one than John the Baptist? How is that even possible? So we're going to learn what that greatness looks like and how our lives can be affected by it. See, I think everyone wants to do great things. I was on the, uh, we call it FaceTime, right? You know, on your, your phone, you can do FaceTime like video calls uh, or your iPad or your tablet. You can do uh, conference calls or, or just talk to someone via video. So Heidi wants me to download some pictures off of her phone into a separate hard drive. Okay, if you're not a technological person and I just lost you, basically I'm putting photos in an album. That's what I'm doing. So I said, okay, I'll I'll try it. So Heidi gives me her phone, and Heidi is my wife. So I said, "Um, okay, I'm going to put it into this separate external hard drive. Well, I'm trying to do it, and it's not working through my computer, and I'm trying different things. It's not working. And my youngest son, Jordan, works at Apple, so, and he's in uh, Portland, Oregon. So he FaceTimes me, and he says, hey, what are you doing? I said, I'm trying to get photos off of mom's phone onto this external hard drive so she can have more uh, space on her phone, more memory. So he says, well, what are you doing? So we do this thing called screen sharing on my laptop. So I have a cell phone, I have an iPad, and I have my laptop all on my table. And so my son takes over my laptop from Oregon. It's called screen sharing. And so he's looking at his computer and he's controlling my computer. Amazing technology. So he's checking out what's happening and he says, okay, it should work now. And he hits a button and it doesn't work. And I said, it's not working. What is the problem? And he, he says, wait a minute. What wire are you using? And I said, oh, I bought this wire from the store. It's a longer wire and it's able to charge my phone that much better. He says, try and change the wire I'm thinking, change the wire. It's the same kind of data going through it. He says, just try and change it. Well, I changed the wire, and sure enough, it works. And everything goes through, simple, done. I was working on the thing for two hours. It took him less than 10 minutes to get this thing done. And so I said, Heidi, it's good. We got it. We got it. And she said, thank you, Jordan. I said, what? I was on this thing for two hours. She goes, but you didn't figure it out. Jordan did. So thank you, Jordan. I was like, what? And Jordan looks at me. He's like, (laughs) click, turn you off, buddy. (laughs) Everyone wants to do great things. He, 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 He felt good because he did something for mom. He felt great about it. We like doing great things. About a week ago, two weeks ago, we asked uh, my other son, my oldest son, Justin, if he could do some, uh, decal stickers for us and we actually have it on the back window over here you're going to see it with some deer and uh some trees and and so he cuts out these decals so i said can can you do that for us and and uh, he said yeah sure so he comes up here and he's applying it during our spruce up day and you have to put it in two segments so he puts the first one on he's measuring it making sure it's straight and everything so i'm just watching right because i got to I'm on standby. I'm helping him. So I help him put on the first one. Now he's putting on the second one, and you have to match it up perfectly or else you're going to see where it meets in the middle. Well, he's putting it up, and as he's putting it right next to the other one, I said, you know what, Justin? If you you lay it down, just get it as close as possible because even if it's a little off, we can come back with the razor blade and just cut it to make it match. And as he's putting it up, he looks at me like, bruh. I only do things perfect. I ain't going to do them a little bit perfect. <laughs> he gave me that look. I was like, hmm, I wonder where he learns that. So, <laughs> so he matches it up, and he gets it just right. And when he's done, I'm like, this is amazing. Now, you know our kids, they're like, I know. I know. Uh, he, he likes doing great things. We, we all like doing great things. I think we like doing great things Because it's in us from the moment we were born. It's in us to want to do good things. It's like a little kid coming up to the mom and dad and saying, Mommy, Daddy, I got you this. And the dad is looking at it. Well, what is that? It's a stick. What what kind of stick? You gave me a stick? And the dad is looking at it like a stick. And the mom is like, this is so nice. Is this like a boat? Yes, it is, Mommy. It's a boat. And they look at Daddy like, you idiot. You didn't even know what it is. <laughs> See, I, I think we, we have that connection. 
that we want to do great things. That, that our kids want to do great things. They color things for us. They, they make things in Sunday school for us because they want to do great things. It's in you to want to do great things. Now, before you're married, you want to do great things for your date. For Heidi and I, I mean, we met when I was 12 and she was 13, so how great can you do things? I mean, giving a pack of gum was awesome. Like, Heidi gave me a, 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 a candy bar. I felt like that was a brand new car. You know, it's, you're at that age. Well, for Heidi and I, as we continue to grow up, we just, we wanted to do great things for each other. And that should never stop when you get married because many times it does. It stops. But what happens in us? Why do we, why do we slowly pull away from wanting to do great things? What, what happens? Maybe it's, maybe it's, because we start pointing the arrows inward. Maybe we forget that we're, we're to do great things, not just to feel great or be great, but so that other people can understand that there is a great God. Now, maybe somewhere along the line, we just got tired of, of putting in the time and energy into wanting to achieve something great or doing something great. For Heidi and I, when we were younger, we, we poured a lot of time into our relationship. You know, and at, at that time, because we were young, one of the things we would do is go to a lot of school dances. You know, they had school dances and, and things like that, and you'd go to different parties and you'd spend time together. You'd invest a lot of time. I would visit her and, and, and we'd hang out. We'd go to the movies. I would pay for her bus fare. And I felt really good. It was only a dime, but I felt like, no, I got this. <laughs> cling, cling. It's like you, you, you pour everything you can into the relationship because you want it to be great. You don't want a mediocre relationship. If you want a mediocre relationship, then you don't pour any time into it. But if you want to do something great, then a lot of time and energy has to be invested in it. And that's exactly what God did with Jesus Christ. He gave us his one and only son because he saw greatness in you and I. And he said, I want to pour all of my time, all of my energy into this relationship, so I'm going to give it my all. Emmanuel, God with us. That God came to be with us because we serve a great God. Everyone wants to do great things because God put that in us. I don't know if you remember this prayer, but when we were little, we used to say, God is great, God is good, God, we thank you for our food. Yeah, it really didn't rhyme, but all we knew was God is great. He's the greatest. About 300 and, uh, 430 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, one of God's prophets, a man by the name of Malachi, he, he spoke these words in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5. It's in your notes. And he, he writes this, look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. Now, who is Elijah? Why would the Bible talk about Elijah? And what does that have to do with the great and dreadful day of the Lord? What does, what does that have to do any, with anything? Why does Malachi say this, these words? Well, John, the Baptist, would preach reformation and repentance just as Elijah did. Elijah, the, the prophetic words that he would speak, was kind of the same that John would speak and the best thing people could do was turn to God. That's what Elijah came to do. That's what John the Baptist came to do. So the book of Malachi says the spirit of Elijah is going to come. I'm sending you Elijah before that great and dreadful day. Elijah was a prophet of God whom God used to establish monotheism, which is one God in Israel because they were serving other gods. And God says, no, I'm going to send you a messenger. And so he established just a one God system. And then Elijah warns a king by the name of Ahab to turn back to God, he and all of Israel. So he was very instrumental in, in Israel becoming this great nation, especially to follow this one God. We know of Elijah as defeating a lot of the prophets of Baal, a, a foreign god. And later, Elijah did not die. He actually was taken up by God in a whirlwind with a chariot, a chariot of fire. He, he, he didn't die. It's like God says, just come home. He had that close of a relationship with God. Now, John would preach in such the same way. He would, he would teach in that kind of way like Elijah did, to return to God. 
He preached in such a way that would turn the hearts of man to God and, and bring inward change. That's what John would do. John would come in the spirit of Elijah. Matthew chapter 11, verses 11 through 14 says this, I tell you the truth, of all who have ever lived, and Jesus is saying these words, he says, none is greater than John the Baptist. And then he shifts a gear and he says, yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. And from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcibly has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. For before John came, all the prophets and the law of Moses looked forward to this present time. And if you are willing to accept what I say, he is Elijah, the one the prophets said would come. Yeah, Jesus said there's no greater one than John the Baptist. He is the elite of the prophets, yet there is there is others, those who are considered least in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven, is greater than he is. Now, how can he say that? Okay, John the Baptist was great. He is the greatest. But then those who are least in the kingdom of God are greater. Well, here's what I want us to catch this morning. When Jesus says this, what he is saying is, John the Baptist and all the prophets before, they, they followed God as an exterior spirit. But those who are now in the kingdom of God, those who are following Christ, they are greater because now God's spirit is no longer on the outside. Now God's spirit is on the inside. See, we, we tend to forget that the spirit of the living God is in us. And that's why we have the battles. That's why we fight a lot of times with what we call our human nature or our flesh. We, we never used to battle that before, before the Spirit of God was in us. The moment we said yes to him, now there's a battle. Why? Because now there's righteousness taking place in the same place as unrighteousness. Kind of same, same heart. It's in the same room. And now you're doing that battle. But greatness is trying to get out and we have unrighteousness in there and greatness is trying to get out that's why you have that battle that's why when we fail or we make a mistake we feel so horrible we only feel horrible because righteousness is trying to get out greatness is trying to escape not to leave you but to enter into this world through you before god does something great through you he will do something great in you and that's the battle that takes place and so Jesus says, now the spirit of the living God is in you. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 3 says, comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned or your wickedness or, or the evil is pardoned. For she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. You know, you know what these words are saying? This, it's actually a prophetic word. Is that there is going to be a time where even in the desert that God is going to prepare a way for Jesus to bring greatness through a person who feels that there's no more greatness left. That I just don't have it anymore. I'm done. This season is, I'm, I'm done. I can't do this. And God says, no, hang on. I'm going to prepare the way. Even in the wilderness. In fact, when, when Matthew writes one of the scriptures that, that we're going to read, it's not even at the time when it was happening. It was after Jesus rose from the grave. It's like the disciples of Jesus said, wait a minute, these are things that Jesus did with us. We've got to write this stuff down because we've got to pass this on. In the book of Luke, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 1. And if you don't, I'm going to read it to us. But Luke chapter 1, you can, you can read the whole entire Christmas story. But I'm, just going to, I'm going to jump around a little bit. I'm going to read Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 23, and then 57 and 58, and then 60 through 80. So I want you to just pay attention to this story because we're going to pull out of it greatness even in the desert. Luke chapter 1 verse 5 
says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was one of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So remember that name, Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, which means she couldn't have children. And they were both well advanced in years. In other words, they were old. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Did you know that even though you may not feel that great, you're great in the sight of the Lord. You may have lost a championship game, but you're great in the sight of the Lord. You may not have passed that test, but you're great in the sight of the Lord. You may have gone through a couple marriages or a divorce or a relationship went bad. You are still great in the eyes of the Lord. You may have lost a loved one and you may be going through a desert time. You are still great in the eyes of the Lord. Maybe you made some mistakes and maybe you you were incarcerated or you're you're doing community service or or something that you're, you're, you're now regretting. You're still great in the sight of the Lord. And God wants you to know that. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall... Drink neither wine nor strong drink. Strong drink is a a drink that they would make that was different than wine. So it's more like an intoxicating drink. Uh, So he will neither uh, drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So John was the forerunner. That's who he was to be. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man. And my my wife, she is well advanced in years. Smart man (laughs) to write that. (laughs) And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. So Zacharias couldn't speak until John was born. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them. Imagine that. The most wonderful thing that has happened to you, you couldn't say anything about. That they were not going to, they couldn't have children. And and here comes the angel of the Lord saying, you are going to have a child. I mean, you would want to post that somewhere on social media. Maybe that's why they didn't have it at that time. God says, no, not gonna, you, can't, you can't tell anyone. So he couldn't even speak. And the people waited for Zacharias. And when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. So in other words, he's trying to let them know what happened. So they're just looking at him knowing that, okay, he must have seen something. Something happened. It's not normal for him. He's not even talking, but I can see the expression on his face. So as soon as... Uh, So it was, as soon as the days of his service were completed, that he departed to his own house. I'll skip over to uh, verse verse 57. Now Elizabeth, now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son. When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. 
in verse 67. Now his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David his servant, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. I'm wondering, is John now, is, is Zacharias now looking at his baby boy and saying, you have greatness in you. You will be called the prophet of the highest for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and shadow and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. You know what Zacharias was doing? He knew that this child had greatness in him, and he was already calling it out. You know what you and I can do as parents and as grandparents is call out greatness in our children. It's the best thing we can do because they're going to go to school and not too many people will be calling greatness out of them. Their friends will tease them. They're going to make fun. And they may not come home and tell you. Even as school teachers, you have such a powerful role to play in these children's lives. And I know some of you who attend here as teachers, you are doing a fantastic job in bringing out greatness in these children. Those of you who work with children and youth, you bring out greatness in them. Even though they rebel against you, even though they're stubborn, they come tardy to class and they make trouble, they will be the great ones one day. You watch and see. And so the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation Israel. In other words, John went through the desert and lived in the desert until he was able to do what his greatness required of him. Because sometimes the desert is necessary to bring out greatness. Now, God doesn't just cause a desert season. He doesn't just cause life to happen where it's horrible so that it brings out greatness. No, greatness can come out of it. But you decide if you're just going to stay in the desert or you're going to do something about it. And that you're going to allow greatness to come out of you even through the desert. In the book of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, Speaking of John the Baptist, it says, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, in the deserts of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. I wonder how long John was looking over this scripture as he was growing up. I wonder how long he's reading this and saying, that's what my dad said about me. This sounds so like me. I feel it in my heart, but I, I don't know if, am I the one that's supposed to do this? Because I know doubts will come in with you and I. Whenever God says, there's greatness in you, you're saying, well, I don't know. We'll read a scripture like this where you prepare the way of the Lord to make his path straight. That greatness is in you and you'll be thinking, I don't know if that's me though. I don't know. God is saying, why would I say it? If I didn't mean it. When Matthew writes this passage, possibly 20 or 30 years after Jesus died and rose again, he says, those days, in those days, when John the Baptist came preaching, in those days, in other words, what the author is saying is, it was some strange times. Not only in those days when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, but even when Jesus was born, there's all this crazy things happening with the king at that time trying to find this child and just got rid of all the male children, two years old and under, trying to 
get rid of this Christ, God with us, the anointed one, the one that would set us free. So Matthew writes these words. This is years after Jesus had died and rose from the grave. It's like Matthew is saying, I need people to know how great they are. I understand it. But there are going to be a a ton of people, generations to come, that may not understand how great they are in the sight of God. The book of Mark, chapter 1, verse 4, this messenger was John the Baptist. So Mark plainly says, says that this messenger was John the Baptist. It's just crystal clear. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Now here's just a little glimpse of John the Baptist. So John the Baptist would go down to the River Jordan and, and he would baptize people. And he's best known for not just baptizing people or, or bringing them underwater, full submersion, uh, submersion, and bringing them up. He was talking about baptism unto repentance. What that means is don't just go through the motion of being baptized and, and being cleansed in the sight of God, but you need to have a lifestyle that shows your repentance the change that you're going through. That's what repentance means. It's a change of mind. Change the way you think so your actions show that you, you're doing something different. So he says, when you go under the water and you come back up, show that this wasn't just being dipped under water. Have acts unto repentance. That something must change. In other words, what John was doing is he is trying to bring greatness out of people. Because before God does anything great through you, He's going to do something great in you. And God was doing great things in the life of John. And John was catching it, but now it was his turn to give it out and bring greatness out of everyone else. And as he's doing this, he's, he's, he's attracting more people to him. He wore clothes that wasn't, wasn't the normal clothes. He wore woven, coarse camel hair and wore a leather belt around his waist just to accessorize For food, he ate locust and honey. Yummy. I I don't know if you ever tried that, but I did try honey. I never tried locust. John was the last of the Old Testament prophets, and he was the closest prophet to the coming of Christ. He was that last Old Testament prophet. So John the Baptist was that transition from the Old Testament prophets to Jesus being the final one. See, that that role that John plays is so important. Greatness. The role you play is very important because there's greatness in you. And maybe there's a transition that's going to take place from your old life to this new life in Christ. Who knows what it looks like, but Jesus says there is greatness in you. And as John teaches about this new life, he's talking about change. He's He's saying, don't just... Talk about it. Do something about it. I remember Heidi kind of reiterating the same thing to me. There's this one day we got into this big argument, and, and uh, the day was so bad. So then the next day, you know, I'm, I'm doing devotions, and so I'm thinking about, okay, I got I to gotta make this right. So I went to Heidi, and I said, Heidi, you know, I, I'm so sorry about yesterday, and I, I'm, I just want to tell you I'm sorry. And I did it with all of my heart. I was genuine. I even, it sounded really good. And then Heidi, standing there, she just looked at me and she said, I'm tired of your sorries. And I'm standing there, I'm thinking, there goes my energy, there goes, there goes my mojo, there's just nothing left in me. I'm thinking, well, how can you just, how can you tell me you're tired of my sorries when that's what I'm supposed to do? As a believer, I'm, I'm, you should have told me sorry. You, you were yelling at me too, so I'm telling you sorry. Now you're telling me you're tired of my sorries? Now I'm thinking that I didn't say it. I was just shocked that she would say that. I'm tired of your sorries. And so I just stood there, and she walked away. I didn't know what to do. And so I turned to the Lord, and I said, Lord, what in the world just happened? I told her I'm sorry, and it's like the Lord says, I'm tired of your sorries too. I'm like, you guys are in together, aren't you? And, and, and what the Lord showed me was, You're saying the right things, but you don't mean it. And I said, no, I do mean it, Lord. I I mean it with all my heart. He says, no, you don't, because you, you keep doing the same thing over and over. What Heidi is saying is she's not tired of you saying sorry. She's tired of you doing the same thing over and over, trying to cover it with the word sorry. 
thinking it's going to be right. And because you're using sorry, it gives you a license to continue on like nothing ever happened. And it was at that moment that I understood greatness was trying to come out. And if I never change, I never, I never allow greatness to come out. And so I had to stop using sorry as a way out and I had to go back to, Lord, you see greatness in me. What does that look like? How can, I, how can I do greater things? Now, we'll still say sorry or forgive me. We'll still use that. But there's a change that takes place. It's no longer just saying I'm sorry. It's actually changing. Well, John was bringing that to the people. That's what he was saying, baptism unto repentance. John was the older cousin of Jesus And John also baptized Jesus. Now, when he baptized Jesus, he was almost reluctant. He said, you need to baptize me. And Jesus says, no, this must be done to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, Jesus didn't get baptized because he needed to change. Jesus didn't get get baptized because there was something wrong with him or he, he, he had sin in him. No, Jesus did that to fulfill all righteousness. So, when you and I get baptized, yeah, we'll do that as unto repentance or doing uh, something so that we understand that there's going to be righteousness that takes place, but not Jesus. He already had righteousness in him, but he did that to fulfill all righteousness so that you and I could follow in his footsteps so that when we get water baptized, Something of righteousness takes place. And we may not ever know what it is. It just takes place. Maybe as a husband, you're trying to do better. As a, as a wife, a, a parent, uh, maybe in your workplace or something. But when you get baptized, something of righteousness takes place. It's like there was something of unrighteousness there. And what John the Baptist was saying is, this is what Jesus did to fulfill all righteousness. Now when you're baptized... It's to take away all unrighteousness that righteousness may take place. There's a greater meaning. It's not just going through the motions. There's a purpose behind it, and John was doing that. John was the one who allowed people to understand that there is a greater one up ahead. In fact, people would ask John, who are you? Like, where do you fit on the timeline of God's plan and, and, and what he's doing with us. And John replied this. In John 1, 23, he says, I, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. It's like at that very moment, John was able to actually admit that scripture in the book of Isaiah was about him. Which I think for you and I, sometimes under the mask of humility, we're not able to say, God, you, you called me to do greater things. And that's how valuable you are to Jesus Christ as a husband, as a wife, as a person who follows Jesus Christ, as a student in school. God says, there's greatness in you, but you hide. You hide behind the, almost like a false sense of humility, but there's greatness in you. And greatness wants to come out See, to the ordinary person, it didn't look like John possessed greatness. But to the Lord, he did. And Jesus says to you and I, who belong to him, even the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist because there is greatness in you. The question is, what is your desert? And is it trying to snuff greatness out of you when greatness can be released even in the desert? Luke chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, it says that everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon. And they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who, who is greater than I am. So much greater that I am not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So when John says this, you know, the, the, they knew about 
the pillar of fire, if you read the book of uh, Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and how, how God led the people, he led them with a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. So when John says these words, it's new to them. Now, wait a minute. Okay, so he's going he's gonna to submerge me. That's what that word bap- baptize is, is to be inundated with. To inundate me with the Holy Spirit and with fire? So they're trying to catch on. What does this even look like? So what I want to give you for this morning's takeaway is four actions for greatness in the desert. And here's the first thing. And this is, this is the basic part. It's come to Jesus. Yeah, but I already know Jesus. No, even still, keep coming to Jesus. Jesus keeps saying it. He, he says it often. He says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Yeah, but sometimes we don't go to Christ. We go to our bed. I tired. Yeah, there's one way to rest, but there's another type of rest that Jesus, only Jesus can give. That's where the realization of your potential is birthed. It's coming to Jesus. That's exactly where the realization of your potential is birthed. It's coming to Jesus. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. So Zacharias was saying about John. That John, you're going to prepare the way for this Messiah because there are great things in you. The second action for greatness in the desert is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what happened with John. That's what Zacharias said to John. That the Spirit is going to fill you. Even, at, even before John was born, that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. See, you're going to need an external power to win the inward battles. You're going to need the external power to win the inward battles. So that external power now becomes an inward power to do the inward battles. As Zacharias was saying, he will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Here's the third takeaway. Introduce people to Jesus. It's plain and simple. Introduce people to Jesus. Now why is, how does that bring out greatness? Well, like a sponge, you must give out what was given to you to receive more. But that's what John the Baptist was doing. When they were trying to come to him, thereafter, he was sending them to Jesus. He says, no, I'm not the one. There's one greater than me. In fact, right before Jesus was born, that's what John said. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. John knew his purpose. And then he started to bring out greatness in other people. He will go on before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. John the Baptist was great because he introduced people to Jesus Christ. That's the season we're in. The fourth takeaway is simple. Follow his spirit. You follow his spirit. You're going to feel that leading. You just follow his spirit. Because you're, you're going to need a guide through the desert. You and I will need a guide through the desert. And what better person than the one who came to us in the desert and overcame it? That's what Zacharias was saying to his child. And that's what happened with John. John grew and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel. Listen very carefully. The desert doesn't make you great, but you can do great things in the desert. Because the potential is still there. The greatness is in you. And that greatness is Jesus Christ. An inward dwelling. God with us. Christ in you. The hope of glory. That's in you. See, the, the, desert, the desert may not be a great place. But because there's greatness in you, you can turn the desert into a great place because greatness is in you. Come to Jesus. Be filled with his spirit. Introduce people to Jesus. In fact, in your bulletin, we have some cards that you can use to hand out to people. Maybe they would come to know Christ just by an invitation. This Wednesday, we have our more than a movie night. That's such a good time to bring people to know Jesus Christ. We all work together so that one person may come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And then you just follow his spirit. Follow his spirit. And when you do, every time you look in the mirror, you will see greatness looking right back at you. Amen. Bow your heads with me as we pray.
Lord, I thank you for the opportunity that we have today and, and you releasing greatness in us. In fact, Lord, I know that there are some people here today that maybe they've never come to you. They've never given their hearts to you. They've, they've, they may have been checking things out and, and, and searching, but maybe today is their day to come to you. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, I've never given my heart to Jesus, but I want to, well, we're going to pray. And in this prayer, as I lead it, you can say the words, but add the heart. And in this prayer, what you're going to be doing is giving your heart to Jesus Christ. For others, maybe you're a believer and you're saying, boy, I, I once in a while come to Jesus, once in a while. Other times I, I do my own thing, but today I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. And maybe this prayer is for you too. In fact, as we say this prayer, we can say this all together. Just repeat the words, add the heart, and say it to the Lord. And here's our prayer. Let's say it together. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Father God, Thank you for coming to us so that we could have a greater life than without you. I believe in you. I trust you. I will follow your spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. With every head bowed and eyes closed, if you just received Jesus for the first time, I want to give you a gift right after, and it's a, it's a free gift. It's called a Yes Packet. And at the end of service, just see one of our ushers on the way out, and they will have a Bible with some reading material, and it will help you with your walk with Jesus Christ. In fact, if you said yes to Jesus this morning, could you just lift a hand real briefly, and you're just acknowledging that I said yes. Good. God, God sees your hand. He sees you. Yeah. Anybody else? You said yes to Jesus this morning. Yeah. Good. God sees your hand. Lord, I pray your blessing over these that said yes to you. It's a brand new life. You're going to do great things in them. And so I pray your blessing over each and every one of them. You can put your hands down. Lord, I pray for all of us that in this season, in whatever season we're in, we could be in a desert, but that you would bring greatness even in the desert because you created us to do great things for you. Not just to do things, but to be great for you. Even if no one else says we're great, we are great in the sight of the Lord. And so we thank you for that. We pray this in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Let's congratulate those that said yes to Jesus this morning. Congratulations. That's the best decision that you will ever make.